Hi, welcome to Saladcast. Myself, Ollie and Glyn. Hi, Ollie, how are you, mate? I'm good, thank you, mate. And also, we um, have a, another guest with us. So, yeah, we're really pleased to have Dave Matthias with us. So, hi, Dave, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm well, thank you. Good to be here. So, today we've talking about um, the Fleetwood game on Tuesday um, and the um, Port Vale game on Saturday, uh, which, unfortunately, um, when I picked the pictures up, Glyn, and put them in the agenda, it's quite clear, obviously, we didn't score any goals. No. So, two games, no goals. But, um, yeah, plenty for us to talk about. Um, but I think before we probably go too much into the uh, the games, maybe it's just a good chance to Dave to introduce himself. Yeah, I should just say I've, I've obviously known Dave but probably a bit longer than you. I, me and Dave sort of were two of those guys that sort of started the fanzine together, Blue and Amber fanzine, many years ago now, Dave, which we've, as we've got older and had children, we've kind of stopped doing as often as we used to. But Yeah, yeah. We're, we're a once-a-season wonder now, aren't we? <laughs> we are, we are. So, yeah, but how long have you been going for, Dave? A lot longer than me. So, my first game, I think that I vividly remember was losing narrowly to Leeds in 1985. So I would have been six and then stalwart in the family stand until we gradually moved our way into the Wakeman stand and then as a sort of mid-teenager onto the riverside and then uh, on into the bright new dawn of the new stadium. <laughs> so uh, I've, uh, I've I've done my apprenticeship in watching Shrewsbury Town, I think. My whole family had season tickets for years, so that's what the four of us did on a Saturday. Seen it all then. Cool, out of interest, Dave, where do you sit now? Uh, I don't have a specific place. I don't have a season ticket at the moment, so... I go and wherever other people's season tickets where they aren't going, I basically go there. And if I'm buying tickets for people, I often end up in the South Stand, I must admit, or at the back of Block 18, near the singers, but not quite in there. So uh, I, uh, I'm i a, a bit of a floating voter, minister without portfolio. <laughs> cool. That's yeah, it's interesting, yeah. I've never, I've never, I think I, I don't think I've ever sat in the South Stand. I've never been in the other stand, like the North Stand either. I've been in the um, posh area once, but yeah, I'm very much a West End man. Yeah, I'm the same one, aren't I? Yeah, I had a season ticket in the West End for years, but because I work on Saturdays, it just it's a bit self-defeating there. Yeah, that's fair enough. A lot of people find it difficult to keep it up, don't they, with, with various things going on in their life, but choose to be still always a part of you, even if you've got a season ticket, doesn't mean you're not a fan and you don't care passionately about it, so it shouldn't be any detriment to anyone talking on this podcast, should it, Ollie? So there we go, but we've had, no, a, we've had a busy week. Yeah, we've had a busy week, haven't we, Ollie? I obviously went to Fleetwood, as I discussed last week, um, so I've got some strong words to say about that. And then, um, obviously, yesterday, my daughter was the mascot, like we talked about last week as well, so actually got to meet the players and managers and stuff, so a bit of an interesting insight from that. So I think, as you said at the, at the start of the intro, we've got a hell of a lot to talk about, haven't we? Because, yeah, two steps forward, ten steps back a bit, isn't it? So I think we'll probably just tear into these games now, mate. Yep, no, that's a good idea. Let's, let's get into it. Terry nods it down, and that was uh, Lynch, I think, with a big kick upfield. Terry Angus. Oh, Terry Angus was caught in possession a little bit then. This is Griffiths. Griffiths going past Richardson. Still Griffiths, and he scored. 2-0. OK, so the first game um, of the week was away at Fleetwood. Um, obviously, a few days after the um, defeat at Sheffield, um, Sheffield United, where obviously we played second half only with nine men. Um, so we went into the game away at Fleetwood, of obviously a bit under pressure. Um, and unfortunately, we didn't really get the result we wanted. Um, so Shrewsbury Town lost 3-0. Um, they scored um, one goal in the first half, two goals in the second half, McLaughlin and Ball got two. And yeah, attendance was only 2,000. So how many was there many town fans there, Green? 
Yeah, I think I think we have roughly about 150. It was pretty sparse, to be honest with you, and um, everyone was doing their best to stand at the back of the terrace and avoid the rain, so it was pretty hard to count how many were there. It looked a lot more when we were all snuggled in together, but um, yeah, it, it was a good turnout, because it was a huge night away at Fleetwood, so yeah, not too bad. Yeah, that was a good turnout, actually, but yeah, Salah always do follow, follow going numbers, so yeah, not too surprising. So yeah, so me and Dave listened to this game on the radio um and you went to the game, so yeah, it's obviously interesting to kind of get your view on the on the game. Yeah, if you could maybe share your thoughts. Do I have to, Ollie? Uh, I think we probably all are, <laughs> are aware whether you listened to it on the radio or you actually went. It was not the greatest of events as a Shrewsbury Town fan. But then we've said that quite a lot this this season already, haven't we? Which is a slight concern. Um, yeah, it, it, I went up quite early on in the afternoon because I was doing some work up there, and it just rained all day. And the the whole the whole place Fleetwood. I don't know if either of you have ever been to Fleetwood, but I have been to Fleetwood on a tram from Blackpool once. Yeah. <laughs> It's grim, isn't it? Well, it's quite good if you want to start a commercial fishing fleet, <laughs> and I think it's pretty limited beyond that. Yeah, it's um, it's horrible, frankly. Um, so I went for a run and, and, and saw the sights, and it took about three minutes, and I was back in the hotel. So, um, yeah, I got in there, and there's about 100, 150 town fans all, all spread out across the terrace in the seats. Um, I bumped into an old old town fan that I, I shouldn't say old, really. He'll be, he'll be killing me now. But um, a guy called Scooter, who probably a lot of town fans will know. He's, he's one of the hardcore that goes to most home and away games. Um, so at least I had someone to stand by. I wasn't on my own. But game started, Ollie. Um, it was pretty even for the first sort of 20 minutes. I mean, Fleetwood had most of the chances, but we actually looked like we were going to give them a go and it was something to be confident about. But as soon as they scored their first goal, um, up, to, up to that point, really, their, their heads just dropped straight away. And that, that first goal was just a shambles, really. You, you, I think I was standing around and people were quite angry, you know, even 30 minutes into the game. They were getting a bit frustrated by the way we were playing. Um, and people sort of could see the goal coming. You could see the overload coming down Grimmer's side. Um, he got two on one. He couldn't really do anything about it, and it was a simple ball across the box, tapping in the middle of the goal. Sadra lost his man, and you know it was McLaughlin, who was one of our ex loan players, which sort of rubbed a bit of salt into the wound, was, wounds as well. So that was not a great start. What did you watch the highlights out of you two? Did you what did you make of that goal? It wasn't great. Yeah, I watched the highlights. Um, the defending for all the all the goals weren't too good, and in the uh, in the first half they just seemed to be they seemed to. Just well, it was they were quite simple what they were doing basically, just obviously playing the diamond and just overloaded both flanks. And it looked like Grimmer and Brown were under a lot of pressure in the first half. Yeah, they were, and they, to be fair, they also made a lot of mistakes. I think we've we've decided on this podcast because you know only one of us went to this game, and I think a lot of the problems that have been reflected in the way that we played at Fleetwood probably manifested themselves at Port Vale on Saturday. So we'll probably cover all of that at a later point in time. But um, you know, Brown Brown made a lot of mistakes in the first half as well, and and initially. It was one of those heads have gone down straight away. We've let a goal in, um, and I don't think we played anything approaching a desired standard to stay in League One from that point onwards. So town fans, if they went there, basically saw sixty minutes of very poor football, um, and it was pretty amazing. It was only one nil at half time. To be honest with you, I was quite quite surprised that we kept it down. They had a couple of good chances, but um, Housestead made one good save, and, and we, we got away with a couple of other moments. So yeah, it wasn't wasn't great by the time we got half time. Yeah, and yeah, so. Well, from from what I saw, what I was, I was listening to on the listening to on the radio, um, I think I actually I think I actually dozed off for ten minutes <laughs> in the first <laughs> half. Um, I, th- I was lying on my bed in a hotel, listening to the game. I'm pretty sure I fell asleep for ten minutes. Um, that's how enlightened it was. But then, yeah, so second half started and it took didn't take too long, did it? Because then we conceded a horrendous goal. I did. I just I just <laughs> couldn't believe the second goal. It was horrendous. 
So, yeah, all the people who've been complaining about Lutwider in the last few weeks, I mean, I don't recall him making a mistake as bad as that. And we almost got away with it. If you look at the highlights, we almost got away with it. They um, they obviously put a ball into the box house. They'd look to get a simple catch. And the defender, the, the attacker was close to him, but he just quite simply just dropped it, you know, whether it was a bit of the rain that played a part in that. Um, and then they didn't convert the first chance, and they didn't convert the second chance, and finally they just played the ball around us, and the defenders just sort of stopped and looked while they played a bit of football in the box, and then a guy eventually smashed it home. So, um. Yeah, it was another embarrassing goal to concede. Um, and then I I think and a lot of town fans thought after the second goal went in, and obviously not just the town fans, we'll come on to what Paul Hurst said at the end of the game, but they, they basically saw it almost down tools at 2-0, and it was only, what was it, 53 minutes in? And, and you know, there was a lot of the game to go. You're only 2-0 down at Fleetwood. You know, you could definitely at least try and get back into it. But they really, really were bad at Ollie after that. And, like, you know, Dave's here for the first time, but we've been spending a lot of Sunday nights, me and Ollie, Dave, and, and been talking about these bad performances. And you'd like to think that Hurst was in. We might have been seeing the back of them, but it quite honestly was as bad as some of the other ones we've been talking about, Ollie. It was, it was embarrassing. And also, if Mellon was here, all the town fans would be saying they're not playing for the manager now. Whereas, frighteningly, this was six, five or six games into Paul Hurst's you know, time as a manager and they, they kind of gave up. So I wasn't surprised he came out and was absolutely apoplectic about them. But um, yeah, so that was quite interesting. And the town fans got really annoyed. And for the, I, did, I always say for the first time, but again, it was noticeable that it was the ire was directed firmly at the players and some of the specifics, at least some players. So it got really angry. Um, Busy was wandering around on the terrace as usual and he came up to talk to, to me and Scooter and his view of it was we're basically screwed until January. So then he just chunted off down the terrace. I didn't really disagree with him. I think it's a fairly good analysis of where we are right now. Um, and that was it. And then obviously they got a third goal but they quite honestly could have got... They, they honestly could have scored five or six and it could have been to nil and I wouldn't have come away from that game feeling hard done by at all. They missed some big chances at the end. I mean, obviously I'm... Uh... Like I wasn't there, and you're just picking it up secondhand, and obviously, like the social media response from uh, a lot of people whose opinions I value really highly, some very, very experienced and positive town fans were just at the end of like they just completely at the end of their tether, and you just think like in the grand scheme of um, watching Shrewsbury Town, like three nil away at Fleetwood. It's pretty dark. That's that's a pretty like right. Okay, that's a big big lump to swallow. Let's carry on. But like, you know things have you know things are not right. There's something mm. something something. Yeah, happened there. you're right. Because we were saying last week when we were back, the, the comfort in the fact that yeah, we lost at Sheffield United and we had men sent off, but it was Sheffield United. You yeah. know, this is a team that were in the Premiership several years ago. It was Fleetwood, and and Fleetwood were nice. They were a good, decent football team. You know, they they got the ball down. Bobby Grant still looked like a Rolls Royce, like he did for us. Quite well, we never re-signed him. You know, he he would walk into our team at the moment, and they, they were a neat team. However, they weren't world beaters, and, and an half decent town team could have gone up there and, and got a result. And that's what a lot of people were shouting. They were like, "This is Fleetwood," you know. Like getting angry, saying, "Just this is Fleetwood. We're not playing anyone who's amazing." And and Dave's right. That that's probably where that that reaction comes down. And I, I when they scored their third goal, which was just another, well, it was a good goal. The third goal, to be fair. I mean, Halstead did probably dive about as far as you could get across the goal, but you saw that when Ollie sort of curled it in from the edge of the box. That was yeah. a neat finish. Yeah. After that, I had a proper Twitter meltdown. I lost my rag with all the players. Uh, he was quite sweary on Twitter, and and rightly so because I just was reflecting how. I mean, I only had to go to a hotel up the road in Fleetwood. Some of those town fans had to drive home. I was like, I, I would have been not in the right frame of mind to drive home. Because that, that one guy goes from uh, Cardiff, doesn't he? Near Cardiff. Yes. From Barry, yeah. I was just going to mention, yeah. we're on the same wavelength, Dave. I was just going to say there's a guy who drives from Barry, and I saw that he was going. I just put in Barry to Fleetwood. That's a five-hour journey. Yeah, that's, a, that's five hours wasted. 
Some, <laughs> someone needs to give that man a medal. <laughs> or a free season ticket or something. I mean, there's town fans that come from all over the country. We shouldn't, you know, there's people that do worse duties than that, isn't there, as well? And at the moment, it, it isn't really... It, you know that wasn't worth the time and effort to go and support the town, and and not because we lost three 0 at Fleetwood. That's an annoying result. Because at the end of it, you didn't feel like for most of that game the players give two hoots about our football club. They didn't really show any passion to get us out of the trouble we're in, even though they're the reason we're in it. They and they didn't really play for our beloved Blue and Amber. You know the thing that we're all so passionate about, and and that's what it's got to. And I think obviously then later in the week we had Poorhurst comments, and then his comments about how many players he wants in at Christmas. And it's quite obvious that he thinks that some of them heads might have gone. I think that they're not recoverable. Yeah, it's um, it's interesting, isn't it? I just just I just checked online. Yeah, the guy who lives in Barry's name is Paul Davis. Just uh, obviously, oh, to be fair to say to say the guy's name. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't sound like it's a very good game, <laughs> Clint. And no. I um, I often in terms of this podcast, and also I quite do enjoy listening to. It, I've did listen to um, Paul Hurst post-match and yeah, his, some of his comments were very, very interesting. But before we get on to that, maybe just you worth sharing your top three, Glenn? Yeah, so uh, as you can see, and we've talked about this already, we've got an agenda, haven't we? I, I'm not picking a top three from Fleetwood. I, I, I'm not going to pick it. If, they, if they're not going to be showing the desired quality to get us out of the trouble room, I'm not picking a top three. No, 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 honestly, no one deserved it, Ollie. No one stood out in the slightest. They all made mistakes. They all didn't try hard enough. I, I would rather pick out the worst three. Because I, I, I think that some of them were just really poor. I'm not going to because we name enough names in this podcast anyway. But I, I'm honest, I won't. I won't pick it. I just. I was really. It was as bad as angry as I've been this season, and we've already been through a lot this season. It's not. It's only the end of November, but it was that bad. So I'm, I'm not picking it, Ollie. I'm having, I'm having a throw my toys out the frown. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but you, I understand where you're coming from because I've been to some of the games this season when you know there's a few games when you couldn't go at the end of the Mickey Mellon era. Yeah. And I was just literally like just kind of looking at the screen before preparing for the pod, going, I don't know who to put. Mm. Who played the whole game? Yeah, and it's yeah, it just sounds like it's that. And yeah, moving on to Paul Hurst's comments, um, he didn't hold back. He didn't hold back. No, so his first words were. Not good enough, not acceptable. Um, he said he was sorry for the fans. Um, and he said it as soon as he went 3-0, maybe when it was 2-0, too many, too many of them decided it was too much like hard work. Yeah, which, definitely. Which is, which is not, not what you really want to hear. When, it's not what you want to hear about your manager talking about professional players. Uh, yeah, and it's as you said, Glenn sounds like they just kind of gave up. Yeah, I, th- I think that, and I don't know if you guys feel this from the games you've watched this season, but when when you see performances like, you wonder whether um, that the hearts there, the desire, and 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 also whether something I'm starting to think about a few players that they think they're better than this, that they think they 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 think they're too good to be in a relegation battle, and that it's just yeah. going to come and it will click eventually, and everything will be fine. And I think players like Ian Black, O'Brien, maybe you know Dodds. Because of the way he plays, um, maybe Al Abd as well. They're, they're good players that have played at a high level, but I think they just they think they're too good for it, and they're just not willing to try. And and that just is utterly frustrating. What would you rather have now? Would you rather have Gary Peters' team of battlers trying to get us out of trouble? Would you rather have this squad Mickey Manners left us off of a fairly few luxury players, couple of battlers, but battlers that don't have any discipline and and you know let themselves down too often than not? I don't know. It, I. I think the Paul Hurst's probably going to go the Gary Peters route. He's going to bring in a bunch of lads he can trust to put their bodies on the line and and try and keep us up. I don't think he's got. He, I don't think he thinks he's got that now. No, I think yeah, the squad's clearly quite poor. Um, I think probably best moving on. Probably we're going to too much detail <laughs> on the team. We can go, go yeah. we can obviously cover it. as we repeat up ourselves in the Port Vale uh, game. But um, I should just say that he also brought up that comment, Ollie, about um, that um, 
players' jobs were on the line as well. You mentioned that, didn't yeah. you? Did you hear that? He did, yeah. yeah. Did, what, what, do you make of, what do you make of that, Dave? Yeah, well, what, what I basically made listening to it was, to be honest with you, like it was a really good moment as a fan to listen to a Shrewsbury Town manager actually feel like he was not just spinning it, mm. he was actually telling you and what what everyone else had just seen and what Twitter was saying and Facebook and the guys on the radio were saying and the manager came out and was almost like as forceful as busy yeah. about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And like really expressing something. And I, I think that's where things had gone wrong under a previous regime with sort of, oh, it's all very tight and fine margins and things will turn <laughs> and all that kind of stuff that you can almost laugh at the absurdity of it now. Yeah. Whereas he's walked in and he's like what is going on with this team? And it was just really refreshing. I thought, well, actually, I can really get behind what you're trying to do because I know you're not just trying to, you know, tell me that the world is flat or something. You're actually really, yeah. you know, engaging with what's happening in front of us. I, I tell you what, I wouldn't want to be in the changing room as well because he sounds like he's hard as nails yeah. and he sounded like he was absolutely ready to, you know, Knock someone's a, block off. tell a few people exactly what he thought of it. He's definitely got a. Um, I just actually saw before we started. I saw Ryan Giggs was talking about um, Alex Ferguson, on, and I just saw a few quotes of him. And he, he sounds like he's got a bit of a hair. He's got the hair dryer in his locker, hasn't he? Um, where if you think Mickey Mellon was a bit soft, you get the impression that Hurst is he could go off on one. But I think he's he's a very intelligent man. So I think he's like he says everything he says. He says for a reason, and yeah, he doesn't. Um, he isn't trying to bullshit the fans, um, which is really refreshing. I mean, the only thing I felt positive about the whole trip to Fleetwood was when I listened to the post-match interview. That's like, what. That's what I mean. Do you know what I mean? That's the only. That if you, you know, we try to look for positives, Ollie. That's the only positive we could take is a post-match interview, which was realistic and, and reflective of of how fans were feeling. But yeah, I was just sort of mentioning the the careers, the players' careers on the line, and trying to make people realise that they're playing League One football. Just if it goes bad here, it doesn't mean they're going to go and play League One football or League Two football again. They could easily drift out of the game, like players like James Hurst have done. We've we've talked about him before. So Mark I'm glad. Wright. Yeah, Mark Wright, another one. There's quite a yeah, lot. And also one of your favourite players, Glenn. Where is he now? Who? Granderson. Oh well, yeah, exactly. Not even playing, is he? So it's yeah. not like not like you drift down the leagues, you just fully stop playing. Well, and Dimitri as well, isn't he? Yeah. So it's it's it is interesting really. But um I I, I agree with you too. I, I liked the harshness of it and really let's not pretend that, you know, yeah, it absolutely. wasn't a load of crap because it was a load of crap really. So there you go. Um and I also like the fact that he didn't use going down to nine men against Sheffield United is an excuse because I saw a few town fans sort of making comments like well, well they were probably tired from playing against Sheffield United but that's not an excuse and then and the manager came no, out and said not. straight away it wasn't an excuse so bang on at, at least he's, he's at least he's setting out his stall and, and the way he wants to play and the way he's going to manage his team he's obviously going to butt heads against certain players and, and we're going to have maybe more of those sort of um, sort of you know incidents shall we say than we had before under some more calm managers but I hope he does it you've got to break a few eggs to make an omelette haven't you he has, yeah, and um, I also um, like his comment because he, he does the Thursday pr- um, press conference and he ahead of the Port Vale game and he and they asked him, I think it was um, Shropshire, BBC Shropshire asked him, um, what was the atmosphere like um, in training after the um, Fleetwood game? And he said he's a bit quiet, with a <laughs> bit of a bit of a grin on his face, almost as in like, yep, bit quiet. But um, no, I do like Paul Hurst, and while the results haven't gone so well in the last three games. Um, we'll come on to this a bit later on but yeah it's making you ask other questions and before there was a lot of um, anger at Mickey Mellon um, yeah. but Mickey Mellon's gone now um, the full guy's gone um, and obviously he created this mess so cheers Mickey mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah um, 
yeah, I, I like Paul Hurst so far, so that's yeah, that's that's it's good. So, should we go into the Port Vale game? Is there anything else you want to share, Glenn? No. So we, we were obviously all uh, well. I don't want to talk about Fleetwood ever again, Ollie. I'm putting it in the category <laughs> of the the Chesterfield away game last season, where yeah. I was just trying to block out my mind. Um, it it was poor, and as I say, you, you end up speaking to town fans on the terrace, and, and everyone's sort of on the same wavelength. And you know, I think it did didn't reflect itself quite as much at Port Vale because we didn't lose, but. The, the underlying anger hasn't gone away. I'll keep maintaining that it's only going. There's going to be certain things later this season that are going to cause that to bubble up if we really don't start getting out of trouble. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see where that leads to. But you know, we all went to the Port Vale game, didn't we? Obviously, Dave Zier and he, he went to that game as well. So, just before we do, I'll, I'll quickly talk about it later on. But obviously, my daughter was the mascot um, for the Shrewsbury game on, on Saturday against Port Vale, and so it gave us the opportunity to go and meet the players beforehand, which just leads us nicely in from what you were saying about the atmosphere because we went into the changing room probably an hour and forty-five minutes before kickoff. And I, I, I don't know whether I should say this or not, but it was very down. And you can probably understand it being down, can't you, because of what's been going on. And and I, you know, it didn't feel like there was, it didn't feel like the atmosphere was bubbling up nicely before a game, and it was going to kick off, and they were going to, you know, be battling. And it just felt a bit dreary in there, to be honest with you. So I think just from what you were saying about that that moment in training that Paul, that Paul Hurst was talking about, I think that's they probably still haven't shaken that off. And obviously the Port Vale game game's not going to help that either. So that's probably still a bit dreary. Yeah, he's got a big task on his hands, hasn't he? And um, mm. yeah, the other players need to um, sharpen up. But um, yeah, so I guess going into the um, Port Vale game, we had um, um, Luke Viola returning goal, which yep. was an interesting one. I often um, try to kind of preempt the formation on Twitter and I completely got it wrong because, yeah, we played a flat 4-4-2. Um, with Brown shifting onto the um, onto the left wing, and um, yeah, I don't know, Dave. What did you think about that? Um, with Brown starting on the left wing, was was that a surprise for you? Sort of. It's quite interesting though, because like for me, Brown was brought in as a wing back in a three five two, and I don't think he's ever looked comfortable or inspiring comf- confidence at left back. Nor has he looked incisive or. Um, able to really beat his man and get him behind them in left midfield. So I think I think he's effective in left midfield, and he's not like a liability in left <laughs> midfield. Like like he can be at left back. He's he he tries hard. He's a decent player. But the bottom line is for me, this sounds terrible, but I think we'll see the best out of him when he's playing League Two football for us next year. <laughs> that's that's when we'll see the best because that's his level, really. Yeah. And he's he's trying. I've got nothing against him, but even if you look at his like some of his passing and distribution and crosses into the box, it just. But at least he can't give any goals away. No, but on the flip side. On the flip side... It's well, kind of been arched. No, it's completely fair. It's your, it's your views. But on the flip side, Ryan McGiven was absolutely terrible at left-back. So if he's the other yeah. option there, I'd always have Brown at left-back ahead of McGiven because his distribution was even worse. I thought McGiven was lost. Yeah, I thought McGiven was. was lost when they lined up. I thought, McGiven, no, Matt, Sadler, you need to swap round, lads. Because, yeah, we had the guy who was like four inches taller playing left-back. Am I right in thinking he was a bit rusty from his international duty? Because that is a mystery of... Just epic proportions for me. Mm. It's weird, isn't it? Like, I'll come on to Bernard McNally in the future and Northern Ireland internationals and the quality of them. So, I, yeah, I just mysterious. Don't like McGiven. You're right, he was lost at left back. Uh, but also, like, his legs went, didn't they? After about 70 his minutes, legs, he looked like he, he can't he, run. He, he, he just, <laughs> <laughs> he, well, to be honest, he did look like he just hit the wall. And, yeah. you know, mm. it's a tricky, it's yeah. an interesting one, isn't it? But because I would, I, the even thing for me, having been to Fleetwood, was that. 
moving Sadler to left back out of the way because he was so bad at Fleetwood would have made sense in that respect. I guess actually when you look back at it, the, the centre back thing kind of worked, didn't it? Because Al Abdon and Sadler were way better than they were at Fleetwood. I'll give you that's my judgment yeah. of it. And I didn't think they were they were they were two of the better players on Saturday. I mean, we're talking already going into the details of this. It, just so people know, it was nil nil on Saturday. There's not much yep. to talk about in terms of Goldmouth action, <laughs> no. so we might as well tear into all this. But yeah, so that, so I think that probably did pay off for Hurst in terms of sticking with that those two centre backs. They looked like they'd had at least one game together, and they'd kind of got used to playing with each other a little bit more. And but yeah, but we haven't really got any other options at left back, have we? So and we haven't got any wingers. So it, it's just almost like. Square pegs and round holes just for the moment, and Hurst has already admitted that. With Sadler, I think he's got more of a footballing brain than he has pace these mm. days. So I wonder if a sort of like a, a wide player would come into centre midfield. I wonder whether as a fullback bringing him into the middle, but whether he's actually got the physicality for it is a completely different question. Especially at League One level, yeah. Yeah, I think Sadler's. Um... Been a bit, I bet for himself is a bit of a disappointment, isn't it? His career when he was at Birmingham, he was being touted as a future England international. Um, obviously, he got that injury, and yeah, his, his pace really lacks him, lets him down, and maybe that's why he sees him as more of a centre back now. Because as a fullback, obviously, you need the pace to to get forward, but also to cover. And um, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. he hasn't really got that. So that's a bit of a shame. But um, yeah, so it was, and the result was nil nil, and. Um, it was interesting, actually. This was always going to be a, a bit of a drab game because Port Vale have the worst away for away record in the league this season, and mm. obviously we've only won th- um, we've only um, won three games all season. So um, it's no surprising, <laughs> really. It was a drab nil nil nil, nil draw. Uh, drab doesn't really cover it, though, does it? It was, but it was ball achingly dull. Dolly again, and like we talked yeah. about at the end of the Melon era being dull and uninteresting, but it was a bit, it was a bit like that again, wasn't it? It was just, a, it, it stood out to me. I went, I went and sat with my dad for a bit of the game as well for, for the first time in a long time. My dad said, "This is a good League Two game, this," and that's what it was. You know, Vale didn't look very good, and we didn't look very good. It was definitely not a League no, One game. Didn't. It was mid-table League Two game. Yeah, it was. It was frustrating, as you saw from. You can see from my the notes of the agenda. I watched the um the, the full extended highlights the joy of them and we had I wrote down like you know maybe could have written down another one I wrote down like seven chances but they're all pretty dire they're yeah. all, none of them were clear um, you'd probably say El Hab El Habd no H um, had the best chance of the game um, but yeah it was just it was a bit rubbish wasn't it no I, go on, I don't know what, what do you think of the game in general Dave what's your overall view of what it was like on Saturday I would say that one thing that would be a positive distinction that I would draw out of it was that it felt like it felt well drilled it felt like they mm. were um, like people were sticking to the task that they'd been given and whereas a melon team would kind of like hit halfway and then kind of turn around and go back again and just go up and down that 30 yards of <laughs> where nothing interesting can happen, <laughs> like defending the ball where no one else wants it anyway, kind of thing. Mm. Um, like we look like we were set up to kind of go and have a go. Um, it's just that, that that's the moment where you reach the limitations of the squad that we've got yeah. and the players that we've got. Yeah. And like, you know, you, you, and I think he said that himself at the end of the game. I mean, there are certain things in this life that you can't polish, if mm. you know what I mean. Yeah. And like, just, but but as a as a, it, people were in the right position. It was it was committed. There were some full blooded tackles went in. I mean, it's very rare that I've reached a stage where I I walked out of the game. I thought, oh, I'm so glad no one got sent off today. <laughs> at least we got a decent punt at next week. We'll start with eleven men. You, you know, it's kind of 
so it, like it, it's almost the, the things he's trying to work out of the squad were so basic mm. that a really dull nil nil draw is actually a step forward than getting tonked at Fleetwood. It was it? it was an improvement from Fleetwood. You can't you can't say anything other than that. Um, although talking about discipline, Deegan did get booked and we'll be out of the Fleetwood game on Saturday. So I don't know who the hell we're going to play central midfield next week because we've got most of them injured or suspended. So that's going to be an well, interesting has, choice. Has your daughter still got a kit from Saturday? <laughs> I know, yeah, so they might have to play it. Um, <laughs> She so, might stand up for longer than Black. Oh, honestly, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, we, we come to Ian Black later. Everyone thinks I hate Ian Black, and I'm, I'm, start, I'm starting to think they're right. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, so I, but I'm not... But if, just going back to the very basics of it, yeah, it was a step forward, and, um, you know, there, there's some things to think that was a positive. But it's not. A, it wasn't a giant step forward from the last few games under Mellon, really. It was still a, a, dull, a dull home game that we could easily have lost in, in reality, you know. If we were playing anyone half good from Division 1, you know, League One, we'd have lost that game on Saturday. I just don't think Vale are very good away from home. And I don't, I don't think they're a world class. You know, not world class team, but I just don't think they're up, they're an upper mid table League One team. I think they'll drift down in the same way Barry had. And I think we were lucky to have played them on the on the form they were on. Really, I think that's the only thing that gives us hope for the rest of the season. That we, if we do avoid relegation, that, that there's actually a lot of really poor teams in this division. Mm. Um, <laughs> like, there's not many good teams. You know, like Sheffield United look pretty good. Obviously, Scunthorpe are doing really well. We haven't seen Bolton yet, but. The teams that we have seen, you know, no, none of them, no one's really, really impressed yet. So that's the only kind of silver lining. But I guess, uh, I guess my only positive for the game was um, um, Leach Smith again. He was really trying his hardest, and Deegan was all right. But I think that was my point that kind of you felt that people were actually up towards the top end of what they could do. Like you, you don't, I, d- I don't feel like I got robbed because I went to watch a game and then they didn't put the effort in. You know, there was a sense of like they were trying really hard, and you know, AJ, that's the perfect example of someone who has tried hard. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I think I prefer Dodds playing in the centre. To be honest, I prefer Dodds playing not at all. Oh, that's a bit. He doesn't do anything. Uh, We can come to Dodds in a minute. I really want to talk about Dodds. But go on. And then, like for me, I said this is a bit of a controversial statement, but I think we would. (laughs) I think we would have won that game if we had Grant Holt playing for us. Because that was a gritty, boring, nil-nil game that you only need to score a goal to win. And so they're kind of like, who's the one player who can unlock the defence? Who's the one player who's got a trick? Who's the one player who can beat his man? Who's the one player who can take a set piece? Sylvain Banks-Blake. <laughs> <laughs> like, we haven't got that one player who can score a free kick or who can... Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, we can't... We haven't got the one player with a bit of pace... And that's the thing for January, is like, we only need one player who can either score mm. a free kick or win his, or whatever, and it, just to unlock it. Yeah, newsflash lads, Uncle Roland's not going to pay the money for that type of player though. We're just still no, going to be scrabbling around for lone players up front, I'll bet you. Yeah, and Kai Kai ain't going to come back, because he was it, wasn't no. he? He was, he was a difference last yeah. year. But I was also thinking of, um, after the game, um, I was thinking about strikers and what, what else he could have done. We only actually, actually technically have one striker on the ball. Two, Ethan Jones, youngster. But in terms of full-time professionals, played more than ten games. We've only got one striker on the book. The rest are oh, yeah, loan yeah. players. Now Mangan's gone. And the, the funniest thing about it was, obviously, I was on the pitch when they were doing the pre-match presentations. But George Waring didn't play under Mellon, or did he? Then during that little period where Danny Coyne was in charge, he was quite good. And he played pretty much every game and um, was man of the match in a few of them. So before the start of the game at Port Vale on Saturday, he got Player of the Month for October. He, he had to come out and take an award. And he hasn't had a sniff really under Hurst, does he, either? So it, it's a bit of a weird one with Waring, because I think, 
I'm starting to get to the point where I'm fed up of Ivan Tony, and I'd, I'd quite happily see us give give Waring a few weeks of just the physicality because we hit loads of long balls on Saturday. Yeah, why why play Ivan Tony and AJ Leach Smith if that's what you're going to do, or if you've got players that are not um, cultured enough to do the opposite of, of playing out from the back, you know. Bloody McGiven, and, and he's not going to play out of the back. He's just going to oof it every time. He might as well play Waring. At least he'll bring down one in four of those sort of chances and get his face in the other way. Like, you might as well at this stage of the game. Yeah, Tony's... Well, watching the highlights back, Tony was involved in, in more of the game than I remember at the time, and he does get a lot of really? time fans. Yeah, he did. He was actually involved in quite a few flick-ons and quite a few chances, which is it's always funny when you watch highlights back because sometimes you see things you didn't quite remember at the mm. game. But I remember wearing when we were away at Warsaw was an absolute beast. Uh, he yeah. was solid, solid as a rock. And yeah, I, I don't understand why he hasn't got had the chance. And I'd definitely play Leach Smith. Um, he tries his hardest, and he also stretches the opposition. But um, yeah, Tony's he's. he's he does go down a bit easy, doesn't he? He's, he's not very strong. Um, I mean, I mean he's getting better at the strong. ball. Yeah, he is definitely. He's definitely he's getting better at the ball. Yeah, but just he can be involved in as many things that you want. He's just not involved in any goals. So. No. Having said what I did about discipline, like Tony's booking was just ridiculous, giving away a yellow card for a foul there. And then, like, he could have got sent off for going down in the box. Yeah. Like, I was in the south stand. It was right in front of us. There was nobody remotely near him. And he went flying. And it was only because he got back up so quick, I think, mm. that he probably got away with it. But, like, I've seen people get a yellow card for going down like that. Yeah. Yeah, we got we got quite lucky on Saturday because Ian Black should definitely have been booked at least twice. He, I don't know how he did. He made two horrible tackles, but referee played advantage and Bellum scored on one of them. But th- there we go. It was nil nil. So you know there wasn't any chances that stood out for us. Really, was there? To be honest with you, lads, there was no clear cut chance in the whole game. And there was that one bit in the first half where um, Leach Smith had a had a strike um, again, flick on oh, from yeah. Tony, and then Brown had the follow up and um, put it into the um, into the local housing estate. But um, yeah, yeah, it wasn't <laughs> yeah. <really> great. <laughs> no, it wasn't. To be honest with you, um, yeah, very, very poor finishing from those two chances. I do think that we we snatch at chances as well. That is another thing I've noticed recently because we're in the trouble. We're really desperate to score, and we're, we're actually snatching at chances. And that goes for most of the players. To be honest with you, yeah. Um, no, just going back to look like. Well, no, I was the same. Yeah, sorry, go got him back, but look, Vila. Yeah, so I'm, I'm glad. To see, I was glad to see him back because I thought that. Um, I thought that Halstead just made made because he didn't just make a mistake for the goal. If you if you were up at Fleetwood, he actually made two really bad mistakes afterwards. One where he he passed the ball out to a, for a Fleetwood player who should have scored, and another one where he sort of fumbled a catch. So I was happy to see Luke Wilder come back, and in all essence, he he did well enough, didn't he? Didn't make any mistakes, and the little bits that he had to do. He did that one. Yeah, drop. he did the little one drop actually. Yeah, but I just thought I just feel I still feel more comfortable with him in goal. Regardless yeah, he's of a bad goalkeeper. Bit of, Dave, what's your view on Halstead or Luke Viler? Uh, Luke Viler every time. Um, not because he's perfect, but I think at this level, as a shot stopper, very, very, very decent player. And some of the things to do with dominating his area and coming for crosses and some of the things I know he's been criticised for, actually there's some things he can't do that a half-decent switched-on defender can help to mop up as well. So like at this level, your goalkeeper's not going to be brilliant at everything your strikers aren't going to be brilliant at everything mm. play to their strengths and Luke Viola's strengths is that he does get behind the ball and he saves more shots than other keepers that I can remember and if he needs a bit more protection from corners or other things then give it him work it out and you know that, that's something they need to do on the training pitch or, uh, or I, I, grow yeah. that's a trouble <laughs> or grow a bit taller because that's one of the issues <laughs> you have isn't it is that you don't actually have a central defenders that are over six foot but um, no 
Tony was on the near post for corners, and he did. He did actually quite well. He won. He did it, he, Tony won his headers from our from their corners <laughs> more than he did from ours. Yeah. One thing I would say about Lutweiler is that he was one of the guys that we met on Saturday, um, and he he seems to me like he's. Everyone always used to talk about Andy Mangan being good in the community, but Lutweiler was brilliant on Saturday. The amount of time he he would spend with not just the mascots, but some of the other kids that were there, some of the other families that were sort of milling around doing other bits and pieces. He didn't have enough time for people. He was absolutely fantastic, um, Jason Lutweiler. I, I thought he was a, a really nice bloke and a credit to the club. Another one of the guys that's probably a credit to the club of the community. Um, and he gave his gloves away to a kid at the end of the game who I think was a bit unwell and some other bits and pieces. And I just thought he came across as a fantastic human being, to be honest with you. I, I was very impressed with him as a man. Cool. So before we go on to more general chat, because I think it's probably worth we can then we can bring quite a few things together, can't we, from these two games? Should we do our top three and then any? Uh, it wasn't really too much from Paul's post match, really. It's worth really mentioning. And then we can maybe have a bit of a general discussion about the problems that we have. Yeah, I think we've all we can do the top three. We've all picked the same person, haven't we? But you do your you do your yeah. first, Ollie. Yeah. So I went for Deegan, um, Leach Smith, and El Ab. Yeah. I went for Deegan as well. I, you know, he he did put a right shift in, didn't he? To be fair, and um, yeah, he did. Was, it, it, playing with black, he just have to do the work of two men. But anyway, <laughs> and then I gave it to um, I gave it to El Abd, who was probably one of his more comfortable performances at centre back this season. Um, a big improvement from the game before as well. And I I always think I, I just like the, the work Grimmer puts in, so I gave it to Grimmer again. I know he got injured and didn't play the whole game, but when he was playing, he was solid enough. Um, he was quite tight to his man the whole time, and, and he got injured doing what I like to see, which was putting in a committed tackle. You know, he wasn't he was trying to win that ball, and it was just unfortunate he got injured. And I, Pray he's not injured for a long period of time because we've got no Joe Riley. Who the heck's going to be playing right back in the next few weeks? Yeah. God, well, Dom, Dom Smith probably. Dom but, Smith again. And he did all right. He did all right when he came on, didn't he? We should have a word for Dom and for Ethan as well. It was nice to see that both of the young lads get a run out, wasn't it? And um, you know, at least that was another positive from Saturday, I guess. Yeah, definitely. In my top three again, I had Deegan, El Abd, and Leach Smith. Mm. And on the Ethan Jones ones, it's quite interesting because obviously, like he didn't see much of the ball. He got pushed around a little bit. And you can also tell that there's like a decent little footballer in there. Yeah. And he sort of reminded me some of the early days when Tom Bradshaw used to come on for the last 10 minutes, not really look completely the part. Mm. And he's learning the game, isn't he? Yeah. He's absolutely learning the game. And the only way he's going to improve is is when he gets game time. I'm not entirely sure if this season we've got um, like the we can take the risk of giving him too much game time. But the flip side is, well, if other teams' players playing for us aren't good enough, no. then we might as well have ours who might be good enough in time. Yeah. If we're going to be developing anyone's young players, let's be developing our own. No, it totally makes sense. Totally yeah, makes sense. And, and as I say, we, we, we said on the podcast at the start of the season, the few games that Ethan Jones played, we come, he was cutting in from out wide, wasn't he, of the front three when Madden was there. And we really... I thought he was good and he was really showing something in those first few games and was interesting to see a slightly different role for us which was through the middle and yeah he didn't see much of the ball and obviously it was a bit of a scrappy game but I, th- I agree I think there's a player in there and, and same with Dom Smith I think actually they're quite exciting prospects coming through Yeah it's a, something someone's going to mention later but it's probably worth picking up now we talk about Ethan Jones is one thing that Dave said earlier is um you know, we don't have anyone that can go past someone. Brown struggles to go past someone. Ethan Jones is maybe one of the few players in the team in the squad that can do that. Unlock defenses because mm. yeah, we just yeah we don't have that creative spark. Um, Deegan and Black in midfield are not going to. Deegan's a different player to Black, and Black's probably not good enough. But yeah, we're lacking someone who can can create something. And yeah, maybe Ethan Jones's pace and his um, you know kind of almost his um I'm trying to think of the saying but you know he's useful exuberance you know something let's mm. just try him why not 
Yeah. I just just want to talk about Ian Black as well. Um, obviously, Mickey Mellon was the the uh, the centre of the eye now, right? If, if I said to you which player do you think of all the people you sit around or you speak to is the player now that is front and centre, the sort of poster boy for Shrewsbury Town fans' anger with this team, uh, it is Ian Black, isn't it? There's no one that is quite as much hated for various reasons: discipline, his ability to play football, his perceived attitude. He's quite well unliked in the fan base now, isn't he? There's no getting away from that. Yeah, I'm not sure if he's. I think everyone's disliked, aren't they? <laughs> Apart from maybe <laughs> Luke Viola and a few others, but yeah, I just. I don't know. Like you, I... you've talked about you've talked about Junior Brown and his maybe his deficiencies in certain positions, or you know, even what we said about McGiven, you know. But I think, but well, McGiven's only new into more slightly newer into the club, isn't he? So. He gets that sort of benefit of the doubt there, and Brown's been around for a while. But I just think people don't give Ian Black any slack at all, and probably rightly so. And they do give it slightly to other fans. Yeah, another way of turning around. I've never heard anyone say anything positive about him either. No. I think it's definitely one of those as well. Like, I don't feel when he's playing, I can rely on him. Mm. Um, And also, like, there is a difference. Like, when I was doing my team for later my best 11 you know I was thinking of some really fully committed footballers people like Tierney and Tommy Lynch and you know people who through the years have been fully committed footballers yeah but actually as a Shrewsbury Town fan I don't want some nutter running around wearing blue and amber actually genuinely putting other players careers at risk Mm. like I'm happy for a full-blooded challenge I really want them to be committed but he he strikes me as just being a little bit unhinged and the way he goes flying in for stuff. Like, it doesn't actually help anybody. For me, that's not... Like, it's almost like he's trying to point a proof for himself. Yeah. Prove a point for himself. He's not actually trying to... That's not contributing towards my football team and it's a liability. No, and he, and he did it at Fleetwood and he did it at Shrewsbury. There was a couple of times where he had a tackle. Both players went down, ball squirmed away and he was the one pushing the guy away. You know, he quite clearly got an attitude when he plays football and and you know, some managers like that don't they they like that you know Roy Keane you're not going to mess with me type player but you've got to be able to have the bloody presence of mind and footballing ability to get away with it you can't do that if you're not playing very well you know rein it in go and forge that respect at the club you're at and then show a bit of balls about it don't do it when you're playing absolutely awful but if you go into ground it means you it's the last gap tra- challenge, isn't it? You know, you're not in control. Yeah. You're 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 actually having to try to salvage something. You know, you know, you don't normally win the ball diving in and get it back to feet. You know, you if you you're going for a challenge <laughs> interceptions, you want to win the ball. You want that's the whole intention of tackling is you get the ball back, not for it to yeah break someone's leg or for it to go flying out. But um, no, frustrating game, isn't it? So I I don't know how should we go. Let's move on from being black before I get annoyed again. Um, do you want to go through what Paul Hurst said at the end of the game? It was pretty standard stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, it's pretty standard, wasn't it? It was just yeah, we got a reaction as you said, Glenn. It was better than the Fleetwood game. Um, both teams showed some endeavour, and yeah, not a great. Not it wasn't a great performance, but it was better. And yeah, again, as we said before, he doesn't lie, does he? So yeah, it was it was an improvement, but um, obviously we didn't win the game, and we still only won three games all season. So. Not yeah, good. that's the problem, isn't it? We talk about is context. You can take one game, that game that we all went to yesterday, and you have to look at that game and say, yeah, point. Right, it was no real. It was nothing in that game. Point was probably fair, but we can't avoid the fact that you've got to look at the context. 
We're still five points away from being safe. We're still playing badly. We still can't win games at home. And unfortunately for Hurst, that's the situation he comes into. I, I said it on Radio Shropshire when I went on yesterday, is that he's been brought in. He's in charge of an oil tanker heading toward the rocks. And he can't change the course of that oil tanker until at least January. And frankly, it's already half beached anyway, so he might as well just come and have a go. But that, that's it. That's what it feels like a little bit. It would be miraculous if he does turn it around. And I know that's going more into the general points, but it, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where I was kind of going with that, but that's sort of the general feeling I've got. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd say that. I'd say that's definitely um, a concern, isn't it? And I think, yeah, it's maybe where we go on to next. And I was kind of just put a question, are the players good enough? And I don't know, Dave, you've seen, you've seen obviously a fair bit of time this season. From what you've seen, obviously the players' CVs are, are kind of quite a few League One players, but I don't know. <sighs> Do you think the players are good enough, or do you think we need to bring in quite a lot of new faces? Um, I think I think the players might be good enough to stay up, but I've got a sinking feeling that it's too late this season. The opportunity's gone. You know, we're not fa- we're not far off reaching the stage where we almost need kind of a promotion form for the running, mm. and I just can't see that happening. I can see us being a sort of you know, 55 points a year team, but that won't do us till the end of the season because we'll still end up with less than 40. Do you know what I mean? So, like, uh, I think, yes, this might have been a a, a kind of a established League One side, but it's too late for this season. So it would be an amazing turnaround. I just want to be proved wrong. I want people to quote this at me in the future, like, because I've just... But then I remember what Gary Peters did when he came in and got it by the scruff of the neck and mm. turned it round and players who looked terrible, suddenly, you know, the, there was a new lease of life, the fans were right behind them. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that come together to turn it round. That's that's the interesting thing is that, you know, right, the players had run through brick walls for Gary Peters, wouldn't they? Even the ones he inherited and particularly the ones he then bought in. That's what the Fleetwood thing stuck, sticks in my mind so much is that they did just give up for the new manager at Fleetwood. And that's such an unusual thing to think when you're six games into a new manager's reign. You'd think that they'd want to prove something more than any other point this season to say, I deserve to stay. Because he's already obviously said he's going to buy players. And that's what concerned me the most a little bit. Yeah, no, it's, it's it is a concern, and I was just trying to you. I'm just trying to figure out. So I just went back to last season. We stayed up, obviously, one place above the relegation zone last year with 50 points. That means we yeah. need to get another 30 points, um, another 30 points to stay up and over. So that means we need to get an average of 1.1 point a game, and at the moment. Um, we we've got less than that so yeah the form does need to change quite a bit i think it's still doable when you break it down like that Ollie, it is doable isn't it for sure but when you ask about the question are they good enough to stay up is the quality there like a lot of people and a lot of people on radio shop always phone up and, and people on social media and people we talk to say yeah well we're a bit crap you know but the quality's there the quality's there to keep us up don't worry it's going to come the quality's there and, and i said it last week i said it now i don't fully believe that some of those players have the quality now for whatever reason confidence or or just straight up ability frankly i think there's some players who, who we thought were going to be quality and, and are sadly lacking and, and i think that for me you'll notice at january that those are the players that pour her ships out the door he won't make he won't mess around with them he wants he want a team of battlers and he'll want he'll want to just get it get it get us through the season like that and i you know you can think off the top of your head we won't mention name more players names but you can think of three or four players that are like they're not as good as we thought you were going to be and if if the time to move on from you was january let's do it I think what you said, I think what you said there about the fact that they had a poor performance for the new manager is really valid. But Mike, that is that like, like Sheffield United was just a meltdown. Yeah. 
So, like, that was the first abject performance for the new manager. We've had his his strong words in the press, and it sounded like he'd used far stronger and maybe even sort of wrung the necks of a few of the players mm. behind the scenes. For me, the question is, if we see another performance yeah, like that, yeah. that, and I almost wonder whether, like, you know, he's absolutely laid down his marker now, like, you know, tough-talking Yorkshireman, no-one plays like that in my teams. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, it's almost like he's... Um, he's had that moment where he's like, right, that is what not good enough looks like, rather than... Yeah, you know. there's, there's a big difference between playing badly and basically semi-giving up. That, yeah, that's absolutely. the difference, isn't it? I wouldn't... I, if we lose another few games, which we will, we'll definitely lose more games 3-0 this season. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If we lose games 3-0 this season, I don't mind as long as it looked like we actually kept going to the 90th minute to try and at least get one goal back. You know, goal difference could play a big part. That's why he was so outraged. That's why the fans were so outraged. And that's why... That, that's why I'm glad he said what he said, and, and totally, yeah. yeah. So we can we will lose more. We will, we will lose way more than three goals at some point, I imagine. But we shall see as it goes, anyway. But yeah, what's what's your next point, Ollie? What's the general discussion point number two? Yeah, well, thinking like uh, our players, and we talked about this a little bit, didn't we, with Sam last week about are the players good enough for what we need? And yeah, before we were talking about probably a striker and a winger, and now I'm probably thinking we'll probably need quite a few players. And I don't know. Also, I was just looking at our squad. Is our squad that big? Um, mm. Obviously, you get rid of three lone strikers. Obviously, um, we've lost midfielder, gone back to Stoke. Um, the squad's just very, very unbalanced, isn't it? We've got like we've got a go-go midfield, black in central midfield. Dodds probably attacking central midfielder. O'Brien we think is a central midfielder. Sarsevich a central midfielder, and Deegan's a central midfielder. Like again, cheers, <laughs> Mickey. Like we've got no central midfielders there. Um, we've got no wingers and. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anyone's really figured out where Jim O'Brien's best position is, if if any, to be honest. Um, but yeah, you're right. It is totally unbalanced, and and we'll definitely get two wingers in. But I mean, you know, I'm sure Paul Hurst knows a few wingers out there. I hope he goes and gets that striker from Grim- Grimsby that he used to manage that Omar Bogle, isn't it? He was a pretty good player. He can put the ball in the back of the net. But it is tricky, isn't it? Because once you start replacing some players, it almost leads you to do wholesale changes. And regardless of the position specifically, Ollie put a number on it how many players do you think Paul Hurst will bring in in January guys do you mean how how many how many how many players in do you reckon I just think it it's going to be so restricted and so limited by the purse strings mm. I, I think he might be juggling loan players I can't I can't see we've got any contracts to give away unless yeah. he can ship people out so like three I, loan players I, and I, maybe... imagine, I imagine he'll want to change half a dozen but I don't mm. think he'll have the flexibility because I think it, he'll find it very difficult to get rid I'm inclined. I'm, t- I'm inclined to totally agree. We, that's what I mean, Ollie. We could say we need a centre back now and a winger, maybe two wingers, a striker, maybe you know another sort of right or left back, maybe to cover the the other guys. It's not going to happen. We're not going to get all those players in, and if we do, they are going to be players like Jermaine Grandisons who are out of contract, who want a a sort of Zach Whitbread or a, a an Andy Anthony Gerrard type. I need to get back in the game type of deal. And there are players out there like that. That's probably where he's going to be working more more than going and buying the players he wants. Yeah, no, Dave, I've, I've kind of wrote down what I think we need. We need a left-back, a central midfielder, a left-winger, a right-winger and a striker. And you could probably yeah. argue that we probably could do a better central defender, but we've got so many, we probably can't get them in. So I think we need five players that obviously yes. first-teamers. to. And then I think if we had add that to what we've got, Luke Viler, Grimmer, uh, you know, Dodds or whatever, Brian, you know, maybe coming in through the team, Leach Smith, I think we then have a fairly decent team. But I don't know, I, before I was thinking very much that the players are good enough, but, 
but now I'm starting to think that they're not. And yeah, there's something almost there's something wrong, isn't there, in the mental, in the kind of the, the makeup of the squad, uh, as hers was yeah. saying. Fleetwood lack of leaders, lack of grit, lack of desire, and yeah, you know, if they. they their reputation, you know, the players are so scouted so much now. You know, every team has an analyst and everyone does match reports on each team. You know, the managers, all the rival managers will have reports on these players. You know, it's no hiding from it. And I think, you know, if some of them don't sort themselves out in the next month or so, their football career could be over. And yeah, it just doesn't seem like they care. I don't know. It's it's very odd. If you look at, like, one thing that I noticed last season was, I think it was... Uh, the stats might be wrong on this, but I think it was something like five or six games. Kai Kai scored the winning goal. Yeah. And then Wally, Wally, Wally was responsible for about another three or four. So it worked out something like 26, 27 points came from winning goals by those two players. Mm. And that was my point about um, being able to unlock a defence. Like Saturday could have been three points. If you had Kai Kai who'd scored one goal, boom, that's gone. And so in January, for me, I wonder whether, like, it's almost, is there a way of bringing, like, we've just said it, we could change five players, but I just wonder whether, like, focusing on bringing in the one that can really make a, mm. an absolute game-changing difference, if we've got someone who, between January and the end of the season, can score 12 14 goals, yeah. that will make a radical difference. You're, you're talking about the player that's the safety net, aren't you? You know, you still have your deficiencies. We're still not a brilliant League One team, and nor were we last season, but Kai Kai and Wally are our safety net at times. They, Absolutely. They, they're the get-out-of-jail-through card. We don't yeah. have any get-out-of-jail-through cards. we and, just and got Ma- a load of players that want to go to jail. <laughs> and Mangan was. You know, <laughs> yeah, the, true. Just the kind of player who can nick a goal. And, like, I think, you know, we just said, well, Port Vale are really ordinary. Well, they are. Mm. But if you don't score against yeah. them... And even Fleetwood, like... When you if you if you're a team and if you're Dodds and whoever and you're playing and then you go one nil up and you've got the uh, the momentum of the game you've got the possession you're on top you've scored a goal then you start playing in a certain way and it breeds itself mm. whereas if you're scratting around trying to protect something that you don't really have anyway and you're not entirely sure which nutter's about to get sent off and <laughs> which fullback's going to let their man go or whatever then uh, then that just doesn't work out. So. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Dodds is probably the one player of all of our players that cannot play in a bad team. When we play bad, you might as well take him off because he, he's, he's effectively useless. And and for, for he's just played two 90-minute games and the, and the injury time and done nothing, literally done nothing for two games. And and that's not good enough. And and he's one of our very few options in midfield that is an attacking player. He's the sort of player I would think could unlock defences. And he's doing nothing. He's doing absolutely nothing. And and you might again say that's harsh because I think you quite like Dodds a little bit, don't you, Ollie? I think we might differ on that. But I think he's doing absolutely nothing to warrant starting. Yeah, I think he's in the in the in the Portville game. He did a few nice balls to Leach Smith and um, unlocking. But I guess if if the strikers are not taking the chances. Um, mm. we're not going to do it but yeah for me I think our, our, having Deegan and Black in central midfield I like Deegan but there was no threat from midfield was there central midfield um, you sprayed yeah. it out wide to Brown a bit, you know as we said he's a bit more of a wing back rather than a winger you spray it out to Dodds he wants to come inside and yeah it's just a lack of quality isn't there and and whether it's quality or confidence there's no the performances are just not there and um, yeah I, I, I'm really worried now I think we're, we're a bit of a sinking ship at the moment and we need a couple of players to come in to kind of change the mood in the camp. 
Um, we need to try and get some confidence well, somewhere. The manager's obviously yeah, going to try that, but probably wrap it up now on, the, on yeah, this exactly. because uh, so it's a good point to leave it. But and, the, and the, the answer to that question of confidence is we actually presented ourselves um, going forward now with quite a good opportunity to get the confidence back. You've got a game against Fleetwood at home in the FA Cup, a team that they should be desperate to beat after what happened at Fleetwood to sort of right the ship and prove they're not a bunch of idiots. And and also, it's the FA Cup, and it'll have a bit of extra fans in there, hopefully. It'll be a bit more of a, a sort of atmosphere of, of excitement because we're not worried about the league form. So, in some ways, it comes at a nice time, the FA Cup, for us, in terms of being able to maybe change that momentum and maybe change that attitude and that sort of you know what I said was slightly depressed feeling you get as sort of you feel is descended over everybody so yeah hopefully we can get a win in the FA Cup and we keep thinking when's the catalyst going to come so hopefully that might be it but you never know can I say something controversial Pokey, go on Dave on a season like this I absolutely hate cup games <laughs> absolutely hate them yeah. because you win a cup game you beat Huddersfield or whatever everyone gets all you beat have a go against Middlesbrough and all that sort of stuff and everyone gets all oh, right okay the ship has turned Whereas actually there's only one thing that matters now, oh, yeah. and that's three points. Yeah, I would yeah. willingly lose in uh, in the cup. Uh, obviously, I don't want to. We all want a big third round game. But just its ability to distract you and to lose sight. Even the first month of this season, we lost sight of just how much we were struggling because of a decent cup result. Mm. Well, at least it gives a chance for all our <laughs> suspended players to get one of their games out of the way. That's, yeah, that's I just realised how miserable I came across as. I'm yeah. so sorry. No, so you're it's, right, it's, though. It's a, fair, it's a fair comment. We said it last... Yeah, we mentioned it a few podcasts ago, didn't we, that the FA Cup win against Everton, okay, it was a fantastic um, day and it will always go down and obviously will always be on the, you know, the BBC and that will always talk about us. But, yeah, it was a distraction, wasn't it? And... In, you know, we don't need distractions and Chelsea. Right now. We need to win some games. Yeah. There's been quite a lot of them. And last season, even the Man United game. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I'm not really worried about the run in the FA Cup this season. Again, Dave's right. I hope you do well. It's just, we want something to be the catalyst. And maybe that can be it. But we'll, we'll see next Saturday, won't we? So, yeah, I think we'll, we'll move on from talking about yeah. the shambles of the last week and only one point from six, as usual. So, um, and we'll just go on to, we've got a few things about the salad news just to talk about, haven't we, that's happened this yeah, week. So, we'll move yeah. on to that. The usual suspects wait. Oh, and Grandison was up, and it's in! How about that for instant impact? Andy May in the substitute! So, Salam News. Um, unlike last few weeks, Ollie, there was actually something happening around the Football Cup this week for us to talk about. So, um, there was a ex- very exciting planning meeting at uh, Shropshire Council for the uh, the little development. And as, as fans will probably know, it actually got its planning permission approved. But... The football club did not get their, um, I don't know what they want to call it, approval to move the Section 106 agreement for the community facilities from the pitch where Aldi is going to be built, sorry, Aldi, Lidl, um, to the back where the community pitches are now, so to, to where, the, where, the, where the players train. So interesting that, that, that that's all gone a bit awry again, and I think it obviously uh, puts all our plans a little bit further back. I don't know what you've got to say about that, Dave. I know you kind of follow the off-field things quite closely, don't you? But not great. You know, I think they wanted to get it going on. And in general, we've never talked about this, Ollie, but are you for or against Lidl for the quick cash injection for no, no long-term gain? Or would you rather that land was rented out to like a pub down the line and we continually got income from it? What, what do you boys think? As a as a buyer, as a procurement professional, <laughs> I think the um, definitely the long-term renting would have been obviously a much preferred route. But clearly Lidl are not going to be... In, obviously, they're in they're quite a powerful position and they're not going to accept a renting arrangement because that obviously adds nope. risk because it could be inflation. But, yeah, I, 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 I've, I've seen no why not. We might as well take use of the land. It's not doing anything. 
So yeah, I'd say that's fair enough, sell it. And you've kind of highlighted the problem there, Ollie, because you've just said it's not doing anything, but it does have a Section 106 agreement for um, community use, and it was highlighted as a grass children's pitch on the original planning permission. And I think the issue we have is that there's some people with memories who actually like remember all that. And I saw on social media there was a few people having a pop at John Tandy, the local councillor, and I just thought... I'm not entirely sure that's fair because he's supported quite a lot of what the club's done locally. He wasn't part of the local councillors who were trying to stitch him up in the early days. He was nothing. He was the next generation who actually helped get it through. Mm. And then, like, he is a really hard-working local councillor and he does remember that that was supposed to be a community pitch. And so if you've got this area that is a community pitch supposed to be that they've never developed and then they say oh please let us build a two million pound um supermarket so that we can have a community pitch over there wouldn't that be a brilliant community pitch and they're like well hold on a minute we let you build a 12 million pound stadium so that would be a community pitch if you yeah. haven't done that in 10 years uh, do you know what i mean so i can just yeah, i can very see well made point, how it's yeah. I can just see how it's even if and even if some of that's wrong and things have changed in the meantime, I don't think that's well known. And so when that video came up this week of the chief executive kind of really, you know, visibly frustrated and stuff like that, I just felt that he wasn't very well briefed. And then he's been sent in as the sort of battering ram in a process. And I'm not entirely sure that in a small town where a lot of people remember what was originally promised. I don't know if that's the way you win influence. I'm, no. pre- I'm pretty sure a couple of phone calls, a couple of invitations for coffee, walk around the site, an explanation, and get some of the football and the community guys to do another extra bit. I'm pretty sure it would have been fixed by the next time that that same committee do it. I wonder whether we've actually put a few people's backs up now. It's a bit embarrassing for it to have happened, to be honest with you. It's not great from... From either from either a planning sense or from the football club sense, to have ended up in that situation, it should have been something that could have been sorted quite easily through some proper communication. But there we go, it is where it is. I imagine my my personal view is it will get sorted out in the next few months, and it will happen. So it, then it's got its planning permission now, so there's nothing really stopping it going ahead. So I think it probably is all 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 um all go for the little in some point down the line. But it just means that you know they can't move out to. It it all depends on when we can move back to the new training pitch as well, doesn't it? So it, it's all tied into when the port cabins get removed from around the stadium. There's lots of things that need to come in in line. So I don't think it's imminent, but it'll probably happen at some point. I think it will happen. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Ollie. As well, you were moaning at me about something before we started about the floodlights. What, what what's your problem with the floodlights, mate? Have you not noticed on the highlights whenever you watch the Shrewsbury games back, it looks like like we haven't put enough money in the meter to like to watch the game. <laughs> Like this is the most the specific Salopcast rant of all time. This is no. It's like it's like you're watching a game in, in the middle. Like you're watching a, a screen in a microwave or something. It's always really dark. I don't know. Yeah, I just think. Yeah, I know Dave's got his opinion on the uh, on some things about the stadium, but um, yeah, the floodlights are terrible. Um, I think they're really poor. It's funny enough because I'm, I'm going to talk, quickly talk about the mascot experience and what it was like yesterday. But um, all the photos we took when Elsa ran onto the centre of the pitch were all really, really dark. So Ollie, maybe you're, maybe you're onto something. Maybe that's why all the photos came out crap. So um, yeah, I've never really noticed it before. But you, you... you'll notice it now. When we were on TV, it looks it looks naff compared to other grounds and stuff. Yeah, you'll have a look out for that. I'm sure that we've met the very, very basic standard for what floodlights have to be in the football league's regulations, and not a penny more, mate. Mind <laughs> you, playing Port Vale, we should just be happy the lights are on and nothing's on oh, fire oh yeah that's very honest. true yeah. <laughs> oh well there we go um, and the other thing we were going to I was going to quickly talk about I mentioned it a few times in the podcast is um, 
my daughter luckily won the competition through the junior blues um, and, and got a mascot experience for, for free yesterday which was quite nice so I've got to give the football club some credit really and it was quite well organised you know they got to meet all the players in the change room pre-match get the get the autographs then they had a good 45 minutes where they were able to go and kick the ball around on the pitch which was great I think it was four or five mascots yesterday so they, they were all sort of playing together which was quite a nice experience and, and the lady I, I apologise I've forgotten her name now but um, she held it all together very well and, and got it done and then yeah, my daughter came out with Lutweiler, so obviously the the clean sheet was thanks to her <laughs> influence. But yeah, I, I'd just say to the to the sort of football club for the for the mascot experience, you know, I think I'm I, I'm going to say the wrong number here. I think it costs more than hundred pounds, but it, it's probably just about worth it if you've got a kid that is a massive Shrewsbury Town fan and and would dream of doing it. You know, we were lucky that we didn't have to pay for it, but um, yeah, all in all, a pretty good day out. Um, I'm not going to say too much more than that. It wasn't wasn't a stunning experience, but it wasn't it. So there we go. I've well, sworn. There we go. I have to edit that. But yeah, I, I recommend it. My reflection on the match day experience was: um, I'm always bringing people to football matches for the first time, uh, encouraging people to come and watch Shrewsbury. I consider myself to be a little bit of a footballing evangelist. You know, trying to rope people in to come to a game. And there's a chap I've got to know recently, become friends with, who's from Carlisle originally. Carlisle fan moved to Shrewsbury with a young family. Um, lives in Reebrook, wanted to come to a game with me. So I says, yeah, I'll meet you for a game. Let's go to the Darwin. There's another lad who I take to the football as well. Uh, meet in the Darwin, we'll get some food, we'll go down to the game. Um, sorted out all their tickets. The problem that I didn't know was that the Charles Darwin wasn't serving food because uh, it's being redone or something, I don't really know. But it was a bit awkward finding that out at quarter to one when I'd invited this bloke <laughs> to come. So I'm sat in the Charles Darwin at quarter to one and I was like, this is really interesting because like, this is the point that it hits home that there is absolutely nothing to offer him at our stadium. No. There's nowhere to go to. There's nowhere to eat. There's I can't take him now. I've, there's three of us there, probably a combined spend of 40 quid, and there's nothing. There's no way of engaging that, and I'm sort of stuck in Sutton Farms. So we went to the chippy across the road, which is lovely, and, uh, and walked to the stadium, and I just thought to myself, like, that. that's just... It almost just hit home 10 years into the new stadium. Mm. There's still no way of going and actually spending some of my match day money at the football club, which is what I want to do, which is why we moved, apparently. And that was really, like, doubled up because we were in the south stand. So at half-time, we went down to the... um, Oh, I should say that in the past, I might have gone to the stadium early and had a Jenny's cottage pie but uh, they're resting in peace as well so that's all very sad Um, so we were in the south stand went down at half time to get um, a drink and a snack and stuff joined the queue about three minutes after the whistle and by the time the players came back out we were still in the queue and the only reason the queue seemed to be going down was that people were leaving it and giving up Mm. there was about four I think there was four people serving the entire stand the average age must have been about 17. And it was just really weird because I was stood there with this bloke wanting to go and get a cup of tea on a cold day. And it was like, I'm sorry, we couldn't come here to eat before the before the uh, the game. And now I can't even get you a brew at <laughs> half time. And so we, we left, we left because the teams had come out. Yeah. And my one mate, so he'd started queuing like three minutes after the final whistle, he stayed there queuing. Seven minutes into the game, he came back with a cup of tea and a bag of minstrels. And I just thought to myself, like, there must be 
a better way. Well, like it's actually it's actually not physically possible to spend money at the football club on a match day. You know, it's you know, fifty quid. Fifty quid has not been spent. Yeah, it's there's money they can't afford not to get in really. And and the daft thing is this I mean you're you're this is a good example for, for people that don't often go and, and not not saying not not often go but people who might listen to from you know exiles who come down for three or four games a week and uh, for a year and they might experience a slightly different, you know, thing of going straight to the game and meeting a friend. But in general We've talked about this a lot of times, haven't we, Ollie, about match day experience, and the sports parliament are constantly banging the drum about that's the thing we need to improve. But deep down, if we can't solve out a bloody queuing problem in a, te- in a in a stand, which has been there for 10 years, we've tried various things to try and sort it, how is it... I just... You, you do wonder about how we're going to solve all the other bigger problems. You know what I mean? That's something that should be a simple fix, and it's something that people continually complain about. And then, at the end of the day, we've got to look at the positive and say, well, at least, Dave, they didn't run out of food this week. Because that regularly happens. You know, they run out of food a lot of the time. I, I, I can't <laughs> see how they could have run out of food, because they didn't seem to be selling anything. Oh, it's nuts. It was taking them, like, like two minutes per person. Mm. And then other people on the other side were just sneaking in the queue, and there was no way of stopping them. It was so frustrating. It was so embarrassing, because I'd have guessed... It is bad, isn't it? And you wonder why people come back if sometimes. Yeah, sorry. I, I was in the same position. I was going to go and get some coffees and I had to give up because, yeah, the queue was, yeah, the queue um, wasn't going down. It was actually like double backing on itself. And also, I did get a coffee, I did get a bottle of water before the game started and they seemed to, the staff seemed to be doing it two two members of staff per customer. But um, yeah, it seems, um, I think they probably lost on quite a few grand actually um, on Saturday, but in a serious point. Well, every week, you're talking about tens and thousands of pounds, then aren't you, over the course of a season? Yeah. So it's, you know, Shrewsbury Town, if Shrewsbury want to throw that, they want to lose that money, that's an, it's an income that people want to give them, fair enough, you know, doesn't seem like business sense to me, but yeah. there we go. Anyway, so there we go, lads, that was the, uh, we'll call that salad news, or should we call that three old men having a moan about something <laughs> section? <laughs> salad um, But... Salad rant, there we go. But um, there we go. I think it's just the way it is, isn't it? But we just, obviously, anyone that comes on the podcast, we like to hear their all-time town team. Um, and as Dave said before, he's obviously been going a lot longer than, well, at least almost 10 years longer than me. So um, his team's got a few names in it that you know I'm not familiar with, I've never seen. So give us your town, all-time town team, Dave, that you've seen during your generation and some of, the, some of your thoughts about those players. Okay, cool. Uh, we'll start. I mean, this is... Like I've, this is a personal choice. Here. Yeah, there's, there's some quite uh, quirky choices here, but um, Paul Edwards in goal. Uh, yeah, I loved having a goalkeeper where if the opposition got a penalty, I knew there was a reasonable chance that he'd get <laughs> something on it. Yeah, and uh, and just loyal servant, all that sort of stuff. Thoroughly decent keeper and some great memories. The idea that he came out on top when it was him against Marcus Stewart still oh, fills yeah, many of us with a great amount of joy. So we did that <laughs> journey together. Um, as a kid watching Shrewsbury, Wayne Williams at right back. Um, I, I read the other day, I couldn't believe it, 289 appearances for Shrewsbury over something like you know seven or eight seasons Fair or point. something. And so like as a kid, he was the right back. Yeah. And so like I was thinking... You know, oh well, who is that else? Well, there's Hockaday or there's Darren Moss, and and then suddenly over the last few years, it's like, man, there is there's no one who's played barely more than half a season at right back. <laughs> so for me, he was like the right back, and like, no one's kind of taken that place yet. Centre midfield, uh, big Nigel Pearson was in the middle when I started watching Shrewsbury, and I think it was only over the next twenty years that I really started to appreciate exactly what I had been watching then. If you mm. see what I mean. 
um, and a thoroughly decent player. And Dave Walton as well. I just think he was quality. He was an absolute Rolls Royce when we signed him, and he went on to have a really good career. It was a shame yeah. it didn't work out when he came back and stuff. But and then at left back, I I was someone of my generation should say Tommy Lynch but yeah. I had to go for Mark Tierney on the basis that I actually think he was a better player he was an Ollie team sorry he was an Ollie team I think I, I really think he was a thoroughly good player the fact that he got to the premiership with Norwich bears that out you know we, we really had him in our team while he was rising if that makes yeah. sense yeah. thoroughly decent player um, central midfielders uh, Paul Evans local lads thoroughly good strike on him um, really good in the tackle, decent range of passing, and some a, a fantastic goal against Wrexham, which was one of the <laughs> biggest mentals. I was there all, that day, yeah. Biggest mentals of all time, and then Tony Kelly as well because he was a magician. Um, if he was playing for us now, I'm pretty sure we'd be ranting and raving about his weight and his work rate. <laughs> but he was an absolute genius of the era. Um, left midfield. This is a bit of a cheeky one. Uh, I've actually gone for Asamoa. Because, and I know that's a bit controversial. It is a bit, isn't it? But like, very there was. And I, and, and I know he didn't even really play left wing, but there we are. He did a little bit. Sometimes, yeah. But basic, sorry, Ollie. Yeah, I, I, yeah Asamoa, I, I'm quite surprised you put him in there. I put him in the same bracket as Granderson um, in, terms of, in terms of ability. Oh, so, uh, so, yeah, that's fine. I told you there was a few, you know, I, I evoke a bit of discussion. For me... For about six months of that season, every time he touched the ball, the entire crowd lifted. A player who can beat a player, make a goal, score a goal. Him feeding Leo Fortune West against Wrexham. <laughs> every time he touched the ball, the entire stadium lifted because you didn't know what was going to happen next. And, you know, Sam Aston would be in the same. I'm not saying there was an end product. Yeah. And then he left the club and it all went wrong, etc. But I just think there was a moment there where he was really unplayable at the level he was playing yeah, that's, at. That's fair enough. It, I think that, obviously, there's the stuff that went on afterwards that soured everybody with Asamoah, isn't it? And also, you're right, if you think back over the last 20 years, we've never had that many skillful, tricky players that you can kind of get attached to. And players do get, fans do get attached to players like that. So, you know, it's yeah. your team, Dave. I wanted to see him, but I, I would go to a game to watch him play. Mm, yeah. Um, um, and then McNally as well, who um, was a thoroughly decent midfielder and a real servant to the football club. Uh, and I remember as a, you know, like quite sort of a younger kid watching them as well, like then him being and playing for Northern Ireland and stuff, like the fact that Shrewsbury had an international footballer and whatever, like that was the <laughs> one when all your mates were banging on about Liverpool and yeah. whatever. That's the, that he was like the, the quality player that you could reference and you could almost dine out on the fact that you had one international player and stuff like that. We've, we've, so, got, we've got four now, Dave. And yeah, obviously we're exactly. class, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, completely. I, I, those were the days, that's all I can say. Um, up front, Carl Griffiths was just that season where he scored about 30. He was absolutely astonishing. And even when you're watching some of the clips of his goals, it wasn't just the fact that he wasn't just a little, you know, six yard box. Terry. Um, He he scored some absolute quality goals, headers from outside the box, you know, long range shot. He he just, he really was the full package. He was a great Mm. player. Uh, And then I've gone for Grant Holt as well, just on the basis of, I'm not entirely sure I remember a player in all my time supporting Shrewsbury Town who held the team and even the club by the scruff of the neck like he did. 
and he wasn't perfect and he had his limitations but my goodness he bled for the shirt and yeah. he did really 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 well and and he owes us nothing I thought he did brilliantly and again the fact that he went on to play premiership football just showed what we had and uh, you know knowing that and also the fact I mean he would give the opposition absolute pelters wouldn't he he must have been he terrible, every week. terrible to play against <laughs> it was great having the pantomime villain that was on our team yeah. causing the havoc and just, I don't remember any other player remotely having the level of, like, influence on the team he was a that, man, wasn't that he? he had. He was absolutely brilliant for us. Yeah, that's a good team, Dave. Uh, it, the good yeah, thing for you is team. you've had a bit more of an era to a bit more of an era to pick from. So, like, some of the players we picked that, you know, like Williams, we picked, I think we picked Moss, didn't we? Or did you pick Hurd? I can't remember, Ben, uh, ben Hurd, uh, right back on him. So, you've obviously got a bit was, more... Um, yeah, Sam went for Hurd. Yeah, that was it. So it's you know having that extra few years on us has given you some ability to put some more iconic players in there that we couldn't select. So yeah, good team, Dave. We're gonna we're keeping a record of all these, so that we're gonna we're gonna have a sort of a so I don't know we'll do something with it at some point. I'll leave us um, Sabutio game. Yeah, that could be it. All put them in. All put them all into a football manager database. Give them all some random stats and then play out some games against them. I don't know. I could do that. Um, we'll do something anyway. I just haven't thought what. Or we'll go out and have friends. <laughs> I mean, it's overrated, Dave. Yeah, Holt was a good addition to the team. And did you guys go to um, Rochdale on Boxing Day away when Holt scored that goal? Yes. Yeah, I did. Yeah, he was just class. He scored loads of good goals that season as well. To be fair. Yeah, I, th- I think I generally think that's probably the best individual goal I've ever seen in a someone in a town shirt. Yeah, and Sam was saying well, like, when he when he picked him in his team that when he scored the four goal was it four or five goals? I'm, my mind's gone now. A Wickham. You know, when we beat them yeah, 7-1. And yeah. he was like, I'd never seen a performance better than that in a township. So, yeah, that's what I mean. It, one season. That's the funny thing about it, isn't it? Yeah. If you did, like... I remember a long time ago, they did, like, a cult heroes thing for Shrewsbury Town. And yeah. it was, like, who's Shrewsbury Town's all-time cult hero? And it was, like, Dean Spink, Steve Anthrobus, and... Tommy Lynch with like the top three. Like Holt would get in most teams, most people's cult heroes thing, and because he was only here for a season, you can't call him a full-on legend or hero of the football club. But he was definitely like a cult hero. Everyone loved him, and he he did a one year and then left us in better shape than we were. So there we go. We shall move on from that anyway. Uh, we'll move now on from um, Salop news and the old man rant onto the predictions, Ollie. The situation is clear. That's an excellent ball in. It's Holt header. Shrewsbury Town have the lead. It's his twenty-eighth goal of the season. So. The ongoing predictions. My, I'm clawing away at Ollie's lead week by week. I got another point back on you last week, Ollie. So it now stands: Glenn twelve, Ollie sixteen. So all to play for. I am. Um, I went for a two-two draw, and obviously got a point because it was a draw. You were. You went overconfident again, Ollie. Went for a Shrewsbury win. Um, yeah, and you didn't get one. So there we go. So we're going to predict the Fleetwood FA Cup game next week, and we'll ask Dave what he thinks as well. So you can go first this week, Ollie. What do you think is going to be the score in the FA Cup next week? Mm, yeah, well obviously my, my winning formula when I started getting some points was just kind of accepting we were going to lose, and that's how I won a few <laughs> points. Um, <laughs> I think I'm going to go for a 2-1 town win, because they've, they've got to do something. So yeah, I'm going, I'm going, if they don't win this time, I think I'll just have to go for a defeat every single game for the rest of the season if they don't go this. But I'm going to give them one last chance, 2-1 home win. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> having had the week I've had, Ollie, and seen the football I've seen, I'm de- I think we'll probably lose to them again. As I say, they weren't a great team, but they were just... They were better drilled than we were and they were more fluid and they're definitely more attacking. Do you know what I mean? So I can't really see anything than it being a bit of a very difficult game. We might sneak a draw, but for the sake of me being ultra negative, I think we'll probably lose 2-0 at home to Fleetwood in the FA Cup. How depressing, but I can see us losing. I can. So I will go for that, Ollie. What about you, Dave? 
Well, I, I thought I was being really negative by thinking we might lose 1-0. <laughs> um, but w- listening to you, I don't want to be in that same category, so I'm going to go for a gritty 1-0 victory oh, for a resurgent go. Shrewsbury Townside. But the last thing we want is a replay. <laughs> oh, no, not a replay. <laughs> Tuesday nights in Fleetwood, don't you just love them? I've already done one of those. I'm, not going, I'm not going back to Tuesday night. I'm not going back to Fleetwood on a Tuesday night. Oh, I might do, actually, because I might be working up there. But, well, yeah, I probably would, actually. But... um. Yeah, there we go. So, as we said, at least the focus can be on the FA Cup game next week, and we can take us off the um, take us off the league form, which is quite interesting. Have you seen who we're five points behind now? Who's the team that we're trying to catch in the in yeah. the not relegated positions? Barry, <laughs> they are absolutely dreadful. We say this every week. I can't believe they lose literally every week, and they went down to nine men at Sheffield United, Sheffield United this weekend as well. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. Yeah. They're um, they're in free fall. <laughs> I, I did read somewhere, there is an issue here that you might actually see some of those. There was one season, wasn't there? The one where we got into the playoffs because two other teams had had 10 points deducted. Oh, yeah. And, like, that actually might start skewing things. Yeah. But, like, Oldham are in trouble, Bury are in financial difficulty. Like, that might actually um, start mm. sort of skewing things a little bit. And isn't it terrible that Let's... we're at the stage that we're clutching at that kind of straw? We always say and it's not even November. Safety by <laughs> safety by default. 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 It's not even November, and no. we're hoping other teams get points deduction. That's not great, Ollie. I think that comes to prediction anyway. I don't know if you've got too much more to say. I'd, I'd also say that um, I we gave uh, Nick Southall a shout out, didn't we, on the episode the other week? And I actually. Um, Bumped into Stuart Dunn before the game on Saturday when I was my daughter was doing doing the mascot stuff, and they invited me up onto the radio. And Ollie, I got a shout out for the podcast out on BBC Radio in, the, in about I don't know ten minutes after the game finished. So there you go. We might get maybe if anyone's listening to us for the first time after that. Thanks to Nick Southall and Radio Shropshire for letting us do some cross promotion. And uh, yeah, that was quite nice of them. I thought Ollie. Yeah, no, it was nice of them to mention it. And um, yeah, it sounds like they they must they must listen. So um, yeah, hope, hopefully we can get yeah. a few more listens from that. And yeah, as you say, in a few town fans that. Yeah, don't always aren't uh, weren't aware of us. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully we get a few more listens. So yeah, welcome those guys. Yeah, it's the first time. Oh, good. This is definitely going to be a record for our longest podcast, Ollie. I reckon it has. Yeah, two games, uh, a guest, <laughs> um, obviously with Dave. So yeah, thanks to Dave for joining us, and yeah, obviously doing his um, yeah, cheers, Dave. best eleven. Um, obviously, it's interesting. Yeah, a good team there. So yeah, a few controversial points, but no, it's been a a good pod. Plenty for us to discuss, and yeah, let's bloody hope that the team can sort themselves out. <laughs> yes, that's a good, we should leave it there, Ollie. That's a good summary. Uh, cheers for uh, cheers for the podcast, Ollie, and cheers to everyone for listening. Thanks for coming, Dave. Thank you. No worries. Cheers, guys. See you next week. Oh!